We are so glad that all of you are here this morning, and it is is such a blessing to be able to be with you today. Um, I I really do I really do view all of you as family, and I view all of you as a as a group of people that are coming together to show love and to be together. And I, I just thank you for all for all of you being here. And if you're if you're a guest, if you're visiting with us this morning, you have found your place because this is a family. This is a place where you need to be. Usually when you're, when you're with a family, your immediate family, the people that you're close to, you, you like to take trips and you like to have um, e- either you go to the beach or you go skiing or you go camping or you do something. As a family, we like those vacations, we like those trips. And when you're prepping for those trips, typically what you do is you look for what the weather is going to be like. You want to know if it's going to be raining. You want to know if it's, if it's going to be cold. You want to know what's going on. And, and when it's raining, you're just like, ah, oh, man, that's going to ruin our beach trip. But when it's, it's great, you're, you're, you get even a little bit more excited. The same thing happens in our spiritual lives. We can go through storms, and many of you have heard a little bit about um, the storms that we have gone through. Um, This weekend actually is the anniversary of some storms that we've endured. Uh, My sister would have been uh, 35 yesterday, and on uh, nine years ago, um, tomorrow, my sister was tragically taken from us. And so we have, we're going through a storm. We're continuing to go through a storm. But we want to do that with family. You see, whenever we go through a storm, you've got to, you've got to prep for that. Whenever you go through a storm, you've got to be prepared. And this morning, we want to share some of those things with you. I, as we were preparing for this, I got the word that Buddy was nervous about me telling too many stories and going too long. <laughs> oh, my goodness, Dad. <laughs> but second service we don't have anything after second service I can go as long as I want I don't I'm not restrained by any time today first service I had to get done and get class second service too bad roll roll tide (laughs) two passages I want to share with you before we get to to the outline if you want to write those down on your outline first one's Philippians 314 and it's kind of my disclaimer Uh, Like Paul, I'm not saying I'm an expert on everything. I'm not saying I've arrived, that I have it all together. But one thing I want to do is press on towards the goal. Because of this tragedy, I want to make sure I make it to heaven because that's where my Savior is, and I know I can see my daughter again. So I'm not saying I have all the answers. The second thing is uh, 1 Thessalonians 4.14 We don't grieve like the rest of the world. And so that's what I want to tell you about having hope this morning. We don't grieve like the rest of the world. We live with hope. It's a bad thing we've gone through, but we live with hope. As Casey said, you can't uh, get ready for the storm when you're in the middle of it. In In Alabama, you have tornadoes. In Arkansas, we have tornadoes. When you're in the middle of a tornado warning or a tornado watch, You can't build your basement or your storm cellar then. It has to already be built. You have to have already prepared when the storm comes. And so I'm going to refer to Matthew chapter 7, 
Uh, and I like the message translation with some of the things taking place here with the Sermon on the Mount. But Jesus says, these words I speak to you are not mere incidentals, home improvements to your life. These are foundation words, words to build a life on. And as I said in, in Bible class, these things work. These words that Jesus has spoken in the Sermon on the Mount, if you will put them into your life, they will help you make it through the storm. And you will have a storm. In John sixteen thirty three, it says, In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. We live with hope. We live with uh, hope in the midst of this tragedy. There's a song by Matt Carney called Closer to Love. And in that song, he uses the phrase, We're all one phone call from our knees. Some of you have experienced that phone call in some way, maybe. We got that phone call on April the 30th, and we turn to God, and we want to build our foundation on Jesus. Uh, each of you will have a, a different journey. I don't know what the storm looks like in your life. Maybe it's a family struggle. Maybe it's cancer. Maybe it's a health struggle. Maybe it's relationship struggles. I don't know. But you will have a storm, so you need to be building the foundation now. And one of the things that we want to make, want to make clear by, we, by sharing this story is, is the, the pain that we've gone through, it, it's no different than the pain that's in your life too. Whenever, whenever you experience pain, our hardest pain is also your hardest pain too. So you, you are walking through some difficult circumstances and pain is pain and God wants to, to help through that. As, as dad said, we got that phone call and and it was a it was a tragic event. Tra- we we were lied to or manipulated, and it was a tragic deal. And the the thing that made it worse was that Micah was a solid Christian young lady. She's one that smiled a lot. She had a lot of good friends. She was trying her best to live a life that reflected Christ. And whenever we we have an opportunity to talk about her, there's two things that we want to do. We first want to glorify God, and the next thing we want to do is we want to honor Micah because of the the example that she set. Many times people will ask or or, or reference, I mean, what what's what goes on in a situation like this? How do you re, how do you respond in those ways? And a couple of things that, that resonate with us. First is the passage that, that dad referred to. He tell, Jesus is telling the parable of the wise and foolish builders at the end of, of Matthew 7. And he's saying, if you've, got your, if you've got your house built on the rock, you can endure these things. But if you've got your house built on the sand, then it's going to be washed away. Another thing that really resonated with me was a quote by C.S. Lewis. And C.S. Lewis says this. He says, Pain insists on being attended to. God whispers to us in our pleasures, which is true. The things that are going good in your life, you know God's right there along with with you. God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks in our consciousness, but shouts in our pains. It's his megaphone to rouse this deaf world. Whenever pain happens in your life, people are going to react and people are going to look and you have an opportunity to show that you have a strong foundation 
or you have the opportunity to be wiped away just like the sand. Whenever you're prepping for a storm, you better make sure that your foundation is solid. Part of building that uh, solid foundation is being authentic, being real, being genuine, being transparent. And so uh, in building this foundation, we want to make sure that our identity is in Christ. Uh, we don't want to be known as the people, oh, those are the people that ha- their daughter was murdered. Oh, those are the people that had this tragedy. Or even as a coach, oh, that's the guy that coaches this team. Our identity is in Jesus Christ, not in being a successful businessman, not being a successful this or that, or, or not even being a baseball player. That's going to be temporary stuff. What is your identity in? What is your foundation? It needs to be in Jesus Christ. And this is where I turn to the Sermon on the Mount, as Casey's alluded to, and the wise and foolish builders. And this is where I'd have my high school class do the elementary song, you know, the wise man built his house upon the rock. So if you want to go through the motions with that, and foolish man built upon the sand. Okay, well, well, we'll move on from that. But I like the way the message puts it. Uh, especially with the, the wise builder, you've got to have that solid foundation. You've got to build your house on the rock, which is Jesus Christ. But I also like the way the message puts the foolish builder. If you use my words in Bible studies or church and don't put them into your life, you're a stupid carpenter. You're not building a solid foundation. We need to put these things into our life, and that's what makes us authentic. When we were in the search for Micah, uh, my friend Mark Benton said, Hey, Dennis, do you realize you're the lead story on the Memphis News? Great. That's what I wanted to sign up for, to be a lead story, to have everybody look at me and see what was going on. But it also made me realize I'm not going to be able to hide, and I really felt personally... Okay, my students and my players, the guys that have played for me, are going to be looking at me and saying, Okay, coach, now what? Now that you're in a tough situation, are you going to live out those things that that you taught us in class? The words of Jesus that you had told us, are you going to live those out? The other term I want to use in here is commitment. And I want to read this, this quote. Commitment means you stay loyal to what you said you were going to do long after the mood you set it in has left you. We have celebrations. I loved going to Isaac's baptism, and we had a big celebration. I hope you have lots of celebrations in this baptistry. You baptize a lot of people, and you come up out of the water, and people are going to come and hug on you. Say, oh, I'm so proud of you. I'm thankful that you've made this commitment to, to God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit. I'm thankful for that, and let's celebrate and hug. Now, two years after Isaac's baptism, and the mood has left, is there still the commitment? Or we come up here for a wedding, and we have this celebration, and we have the bride and the groom down here, and we say these vows about how we're going to love each other for the rest of our lives. Then we walk down the aisle, and now five years out from that celebration, when everything was in a good mood, are you still committed Are you committed to what you said after the mood that you said it in is gone? Some of Jesus' harshest words 
were for people who were not authentic. He called the Pharisees hypocrites and even used the term, you're a bunch of snakes, you're a brood of vipers. I want to make sure that I'm living what I say, that I'm authentic and that I'm real. I don't want to be in that crowd that Jesus had his harshest words for. We've all experienced people like that who said one thing and did another. Does that make you feel good? No, it's just it's a very sick feeling. So I want to make sure that I'm living what I say. I grew up in, uh, in an amazing Christian household. My mom and dad are my heroes, and I, I idolize them. I love them so much. And growing up, I went to a Christian school. I went to a Christian university. I had all of the right answers. I had all the right things to say. I knew I knew faith from a very early age. But I can honestly say it wasn't until this tragedy hit that I knew what faith and being authentic was about. As dad referenced, the the biggest thing that we struggled with was on the five o'clock news. You could see it everywhere. And so I was forced to be transparent. I was forced to be open and be honest. And what, what happened from there was something pretty remarkable. You saw people that love Christ surround you and come to you and walk with you through these heart these these storms you see being fake is being is a form of manipulation whenever we're not being honest and we're not being open about things then we're not giving people the right to to choose we're not giving people the right to to see what's going on you see in your life right now are you being a good guy or a good girl so that your business will succeed? Or are you polite and nice to your teachers, to their face, so that you can get a good grade, but really behind their back, it's a totally different story? Or maybe, or maybe you are, are one that has two social media accounts, one for everyone else to see and then one for your own private kind of things. Or maybe you're one that has private browsing on your, on your phone or on your computer so that no one can see what you're looking at and see those search histories. You see, so many times we can be really good in one area and, and, and look like we've got it all together, but really behind closed doors, it's a totally, totally different story. And that's what Jesus is warning against. He's saying, don't be manipulative. Don't be fake, but be real. Be honest. And when that happened in our life, I saw a church that came together and I saw a family and the love of God coming because we were broken and we couldn't hide it. My prayer is that the people in here, if you are broken, if you are struggling, don't hide it. God tells us that he's the great redeemer. God tells us that he heals and he brings people together, but it doesn't happen without being honest. Another factor in this being real is uh, accountability. We're being held accountable to our Savior most of all, but we're accountable to each other. Right now, Terry's sitting back here and she has my cell phone. She has my passwords. She can get in the cell phone and see what I've been looking at where I've gone, what I do. 
The thing is, you want to recognize people that aren't accountable, that they always make excuses for whatever. As a coach, I'd see some players that were always, oh, it was somebody else's fault. It was my teammate's fault. It was the ref's fault. It was some other excuse that they never took accountability for the way that they played or the way that they were. And uh, I want to recognize that if you see someone that avoids accountability, they're always making excuses, they don't take responsibility for themselves, that's a person that needs to be avoided in a close relationship. Um, If you saw the documentary... You saw that uh, Micah was at our house on Spring Sing weekend, a big deal at Harding. But Thomas had told her that he had to stay in Memphis and work. But during that time is when he took his girlfriend to Tunica while Micah was away. Saying one thing and doing another, not being accountable. I want to refer back to the Sermon on the Mount when Jesus is talking about the false prophets. He uses the phrase in the, in the message, Look for character, not charisma. Who people are, how they act every day is the real thing, not what they say. Not pretending that you're good in church and then going out Monday and Tuesday and cheating people. It's actually doing what you say that counts and being held accountable for that. Being real has everything to do with your perspective. If in your mindset all you're doing is looking out for yourself and looking out for what's best for me, then it's going to affect the way that you interact and it's going to affect the way that you see other people. However, if you have the perspective of what, what would God do in this situation, I'm a follower of Christ, what would Christ do in this situation, then that perspective is going to change and you're actually going to make more loving decisions and more real decisions than if you were looking out for yourself. Missy Branham was the, the prosecutor that worked our case, and we, we developed a pretty close relationship with her. And one day we were sitting in her office, and we were going over some evidence, and I had the question, Missy, what's the defense team going to do with this? I, I don't understand. And Missy's quote back to me, or her message back to me was, calm down. We don't have to be afraid of the truth. Isn't that what our Savior said? You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. We don't have to be a people that are afraid of the truth. We can live honestly and openly with the truth. And we've seen physical storms that have happened. We've seen tornadoes go through or hurricanes happen. And when that happens, you see these massive relief teams going in. And Landmark has been a part of those, where you, you come in after the storm and you, help, you have people helping out. The same is true in our spiritual lives. Whenever we're going through a storm, you've got to have a cleanup crew. You've got to have someone or you've got to have a group that comes alongside of you and says, I'm here, I'm present, I love you, and walk with you through those things. You've commonly heard it say, um, I don't know what, what we would have done if faith was, I botched that. I don't know what we would have done if we didn't have faith. And that's true. Whenever you have faith in God, you have reality. But whenever you don't have a faith in God, it washes away like the sand. 
was talking to Missy uh, again, and we were just discussing some different things and her job, and her job is the prosecutor in Shelby County, which is Memphis. I say, Missy, you see this stuff all the time. You deal with murder cases all year long and every day. How do people without faith do this? And her answer to me was, they don't. You've got to have faith with you to walk through the storm. So, and part of walking through faith is trusting in the cleanup crew. I've, show, I've shared with y'all how much I love the church family. And I know there are people in this room right now that are struggling with a storm. You're walking through some terrible situations and there's things in your life that are wrecking you. Don't keep those in. Whenever I was keeping that stuff in, I was not able to see the beauty of the church. Yes, the Christians worldwide, we've made mistakes. And there's things that we've done that, that haven't been very good. But the design of the church is to be the bride of Christ. And to be that group that shows love. And to be that group that helps in that healing power that God provides. And so my prayer is that when we're hurting and when we're struggling, that we can trust the cleanup crew and trust the Spirit through the people of God. People will ask us, well, what did people do for you? Or what should we do when somebody's in trouble or had a tragedy? And one of the Jewish customs uh, that we've found to be helpful, it's called sitting shiva. That means you just go and sit. You're just present. You're there with the person. It's kind of what Job's three friends did, at, at least at the beginning of Job. They went and sat with him. And if the person wants to talk, you talk. If the person wants to be silent, then you're silent. But you go and you're present. The other thing that I would say is that to, don't be afraid to talk. Ask us about Micah. Ask us about what happened. Some people have the attitude that, oh, if I go and mention Micah, they're just going to fall to pieces on the floor. Like, we have forgot about that and need to be reminded that something tragic happened to Micah? No, we know that that's the reality. And it's okay to talk about it. That's our life. And we want to share it. And the other beauty that, that we had was we had people around us that had that obviously they didn't know what to say and they told us that we don't know what to say so we want to use our talents to help you out for a year I know this is going to make my son perk up a little bit but for a year I had a friend of mine that was in our small group and what he did was he mowed our yard every week that was just his way bring him back (laughs) but that was his way of saying I know you've gone through some things I don't know what to say, but this is something that I can do to demonstrate that I love you, to demonstrate that I'm walking with you. And it meant a lot. All of us in here, you've been blessed with so many different talents and so many different gifts. And my prayer is that as a church, we can use those things. Don't be, don't be scared to do those things. You see, when we walk through a storm, we have a hope for a better tomorrow. I can stand before you right now and I can say that during Micah, during when we found out to the funeral, through the trial, I can tell you 
without a doubt that I did not lose my faith in God. I can tell you that I was standing on the rock and I was standing and I was, I was proud to talk about my God. I was proud to talk about my sister and I let those emotions run pretty wild. And I was standing strong for God. But then the enemy attacked me in a different way. You see, we have an amazing son, Isaac, and we wanted to have another child along with him. And throughout a series of three to five years or so, we had multiple miscarriages. And I was standing before God going, what? Like, we have just, we have just proclaimed your name as loud as we can through a terrible situation and you're going to take away my kid? You're going to take, why are you making us do this, oh God? And it rattled us hard. So much so that I, I didn't know if I needed to even be in ministry because I was doubting and I was struggling and I was torn. And then... God blessed us with Ivy. And Ivy, if you don't know her, she is my little six-year-old little girl, the cutest little girl you'll ever see. And she is a doll. But, <laughs> but if we hadn't gone through those storms, we wouldn't have our little girl. And we're so blessed with that. You see, when we walk through a storm, there's hope for a better tomorrow and we trust God through that process perspectives change and I've latched on to what's called the greatest command the greatest command is the greatest command for a reason it sets priorities Jesus said very plainly this is what is first and I've heard Buddy talk about those priorities before and great lessons on making sure we keep first things first Jesus said here's what's first Relationship with God. Love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, some translations, strength. Here's what's first. You've got to get this right. We can argue about a bunch of other stuff, but you've got to get this right. Love the Lord first. And so I, I bring before you what's important to Micah today, right now, this Sunday. How pretty she was. She was beautiful. How athletic she was. There's probably some athletes here in the, in the audience. She was voted the best athlete in her class. How much money she made. We're all about money. How much money are you making? Well, Micah made more money than her dad. She was a nurse. I'm a teacher. What about the car you drive? What about the house you live in? We put a lot of emphasis on some temporary stuff. But today, Micah has what's most important, relationship with God. At the end of her prayer journal, she, just, she closes with, Lord, I love you so much, I really just want to be with you. And today she is. She's home. I've got one home, I hope I can get another one home. What's important to Micah today is that her relationship with God. I want you to have that relationship with God. I want you to keep the priorities straight. I want you to build on this foundation that we've talked about. To be real, to be authentic, to be genuine, to be committed, to be accountable.
Because when the storm comes, and it's going to come, you need to be ready with your foundation. Buddy? Y'all give a hand for a great father-son duo. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Back in just a minute, Dennis is going to baptize Casey. (laughs) No, um, you know, this is one of the greatest examples I've ever seen of someone taking your mess, God taking your mess and making it your ministry. And take the most painful, worst part of your life and now nine years later, use it to teach us and to bless us. You know, there's a scripture that matches this. It's a, a much abused scripture. Romans eight twenty eight. You know it. All things work together for good to those who love the Lord, who are called according to his promise. Now listen, that scripture does not say that everything in your life is good. It doesn't say that God causes everything in your life. I'm not a Calvinist. I do not believe that God has already planned out every moment of your life and that God even planned out the murder of Micah. I don't believe that was God's idea at all. You see, everything in your life is not good. But but here's what the Scripture does say, is that our God is powerful enough to take the worst things in your life and make it into something good. And we've seen that illustration And we could go across the church and we could name all the people in this church that their ministry is their past mess or even their present mess. And they can work and they can reach out to people in that way. Today I want to ask you if you're in the midst of a storm, all right? Because that's what we're talking about today, being in a storm. And we're going to give you a chance to to confess that and to, to pray about that. I want to ask the Ryans if they will stand down here. Uh, with their wives. I want to ask all of our shepherds that are here in the audience if they would come and join with their wives. Also going to ask our staff members and their wives, if they're here, to just come stand around this stage. Because the truth is, many of us today are in the middle of a storm. And today I want to give you a couple of options. If you feel like you need the prayers of all of this church together, you come right down something on the front row and we'll get everybody involved in this. If you would just like to, to meet with one of these couples and give, give them your name and tell them about your storm. If it's like first service, there's a lot of us in a storm. Then just come and tell about that. You say, well, buddy, I'd, I'd like to do that, but my problem doesn't compare to the Ryan's problem. I'd, I'd be embarrassed to share that I've, I've got a really, what sounds like a small problem. My friend, if it's your storm, it's your storm. Uh, Jesus proved that it doesn't matter how little it is, By his selection for his first miracle, Jesus' first miracle in John chapter 2 was to turn the water into wine. What is he doing? He's trying to keep a host family and his mother from embarrassment, even if it causes us to debate the subject the rest of eternity, okay? He turns the water into wine because even someone's embarrassment meant something to Jesus, And I don't care how small your storm may be today, it matters to God. You see, think about the kind of logic we have if we say today that only the Ryans have, you know, they have such a horrific storm that that I can't share mine. If you follow that logic to its end, what that means is only the person on earth with the worst problem has the right to share it. So even the Ryans couldn't share it. 
And so today we serve a God who says, you know what? Come to me. I love what Casey said earlier, don't hide it. So this morning, if you have a storm going on in your life, that's why we're here. You should have never joined a church if what you wanted to do was to bear your burden by yourself because you could have done that at home in your closet and worship God. The reason we're here is so that we don't have to be alone, so that we have that cleanup team ready to help us. And so today we invite you, we're going to sing a couple of songs, we've got plenty of time. We invite you to meet me on the front row or come pray with one of us couples or, or come pray up here with Katie and just share what's going on in your life and let's cover it with prayer. We're going to sing some beautiful songs. In the midst of this, lay your heart out. Don't leave here without getting some support and help. If you do, we've made a mistake. If you do come, then here's what's going to happen. The mess of your life can be turned into something that God can use for his glory. So come while we all stand together and sing.